Okay, for all my uh, Colorado fans out there that have recently discovered the Lockdown Horn Frogs podcast, I'm bringing in an expert to talk with me today, Kevin Borba. Uh, I'll see how how incendiary my take was earlier in the week, and we'll talk about Dion and this team coming up next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. <laughs> Are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, find us wherever it is you get your podcast. And there's another podcast in this network that you can subscribe to, Locked On Buffs. Uh, Kevin Borba is here with us, the host of that show, and he is also available on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps. And so, Kevin, um, earlier this week, I talked about Colorado in this season opener, and I felt like there was some momentum building of like, hey, could this game be closer than maybe – Experts think the line is pretty big. Our friends at FanDuel right now have it at 23 and a half TCU. That's the point spread. They have them favored. Um, and and I will say, I think the Coach Prime experiment ultimately could work. I, I don't know, like, how long he'll be in Colorado, but I, he's obviously bringing in a lot of talent. Um, I feel like TCU is going to win that game. We'll get to all that in a second. But first off, I know the Athletic has been doing some pieces this week. Uh, about how, you know, what Dion is doing with his roster turnover, cutting players. It's so unprecedented. Like, this is a totally new look for college football. People are confused across the country. Is this as crazy as it sounds from the outside? I mean, Lincoln Riley kind of did this to a certain extent, or is it sort of overblown with all the hype that is surrounding the program and all the attention, the kind of, you know, roster turnover we're seeing here at Colorado in this offseason? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, obviously, we haven't really seen – um, this much movement at the power five level, uh, people like to remind me every day I do my podcast that he did something similar at Jackson state. Um, but the same thing I tell those people that Jackson state is obviously it was a great program once Dion left, um, but it's not the same as a power five program. So obviously flipping a roster with 50 guys going out and 50 coming in is pretty rare. Um, I think it'll be an experiment that will either be like a telltale of what not to do with the transfer portal, or it'll be a revolution of programs trying to when new coaches get hired just completely telling everybody to leave so that way i could bring in as many guys as possible that are technically their own guys um i don't think uh because i think a lot of the perception about coach prime and his movement is kind of getting um people think it's rude or it's it's dirty or whatever whatever phrasing you want to use but realistically i think it's kind of the it's the the downside of what the players argued for for all those years they wanted Mm -hmm the ability to move. Um, they wanted the ability to transfer and be eligible right away, which they deserved. I don't disagree. Um, but I don't think they thought it would be used against them. I thought, I'm pretty sure that they thought they were going to have all the power in the scenario. And I don't think they factored in that coaches who take the job or maybe just aren't pleased with their performance might be like, Hey, you don't have a role on this team next year. Maybe you should hit the portal. Um, obviously you can't really make them like new coaches can for the most part. But obviously if you're like year five of the job, you can't be like, Hey, you need to leave, but you could tell them, you can show them the depth chart and be like, you're here. We don't plan on playing you please leave. And so I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And I think most people are sensitive to the idea that these young kids who, I mean, in a way aren't young kids anymore. They're kind of adults um, are kind of being asked to leave. And I had someone on my podcast the other day and we talked about it. 
all these guys were top athletes in high school, regardless of their ranking. Um, they were all probably really good at their own school. And so this is the first time that they've ever been kind of told they're not good enough mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of them. And so I don't know. It's just, I think it's a tough part. College football is a business. It always has been. And now I think Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is just bringing the business to the forefront. I don't think we've ever had a coach as vocal and um, accessible as he is. And I think that's why people are upset. Yeah, Dion is is polarizing. Um, it, it's funny, too, because so TCU briefly kind of flirted with him. Like there was an interview that was done um, at the beginning of that coaching search before they landed on Sonny Dykes. But I guess continuing our conversation about that, because of, you know, the comments like I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie and all the videos and behind the scenes stuff. And it was this way at Jackson State, too. I think like. How much is he involved in the day-to-day -day aspects of, uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of the program? Because from a from an outside perspective, I do feel like he sometimes gets the unfair rap of like he's just a hype man. But this worked at Jackson State, and I mean he's here now. Like he's he's doing a lot of public things for publicity. But I imagine that he's actually working at this, right, Kevin? I mean, this is yeah. not just somebody who's standing on the sidelines. No, he's not just the face of the program. I mean, obviously, he's the face of the program, but some people yeah. just think he's like a talking head. And obviously, when you have a, a offensive coordinator in Sean Lewis, who was a head, he quit his head coaching job to take this job. Um, and then you get a defensive coordinator from, Al from Alabama who's worked under Nick Saban for the past few seasons. Um, you bring in experienced coaches to help you out. Um, but I think he... He's more of a, like a CEO type of role where he's not focused. I wouldn't say he's focused on one position group. I would say he probably helps out everywhere. Um, if you're a defensive back, how would you not want to learn from mm -hmm. arguably one of the best football players ever, top five players of all time, maybe receivers while he didn't play receiver. If he's one of the best defensive backs, he knows all your tells. So he could teach you that. Um, coming out of when he was coaching at the high school ranks, he was actually the offensive coordinator um, at Trinity, uh, which is where Shadur went, which is some of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I believe. Um, yep. And so he was offensive coordinator there. And so he kind of has like an offensive mindset too, so he could contribute on offense. I think people just kind of see him as a talking head. And I think he's obviously much more involved. He's obviously the main recruiter and the main reason a lot of these guys are going there. Um, but that's every coach in college football sort of has some sort of appeal on the recruiting trail. I just think when you're as outspoken as him, people kind of just view him as, you know, he shows up, he makes videos, and he's probably not there. But he's definitely involved with everybody. So I remember the day, it was on signing day, that Travis Hunter flipped to Jackson State, and that was mm -hmm. such a monumental moment in college football. Like, here's this guy that was number one player in the country, headed to Florida State. He's, he's now changing his commitment to an FCS school. Right. Right. Uh, this season in Colorado, is is he really going to play both ways? Like, is that their plan? How much of that will we see? And how much of an impact will he have on a week-to-week on -week basis on both sides of the ball? That's a great question. I honestly, heading before the spring game, I was like, he'll probably have a package on offense, and then he'll focus on defense. But the entire spring, he only played receiver um, to learn the offense because uh, mm -hmm. obviously defense is going to be easier for him to pick up. Um, he only played receiver. And then during the spring game, he took like literally every snap, I believe. Like, I don't think I saw him leave the field on offense outside the times he was playing against the um, times he was on defense, obviously. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to play both ways. And I think it's going to be like pretty frequent, um, which is going to be something we haven't seen 
um, in college football recently. I would say the mo- the closest thing would be Jabril Peppers at Michigan. Um, and even then, he wasn't like a main staple of the offense for Michigan. He was just someone that they would use at certain times. Um, but I think he's going to be both ways, like nonstop, which I'm a little concerned about because if you don't know about Sean Lewis's offense, it's like literally the fastest offense in college football. They run a play like every 30 seconds of real time. Um, that's how fast they're trying to go. And so I do have like a concern that he may get tired eventually, or no matter how conditioned you are, you might just get a little fatigued um, in the game later, whether it's the third or fourth quarter and you don't want costly mistakes because of fatigue. Um, But I do think he's going to have a major role both ways, which will be something. It's something that Colorado is actually recruiting players to do. Um, That's one of their big pitches is that you could play both ways there. So. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you about Shadur Sanders in a minute. Uh, before we do that, though, Kevin, do you like Built Bar? Are you a fan of, of our protein love bar him. sponsor? I love yeah. them. We love them. We got to talk about them, you know, multiple times a week, and that's because we love Built Bar. Uh, great thing about Built Bar, it's good for you, and it tastes good as well. 100% real dark chocolate they put in those bars. I've told you guys before, I love to grab it when I'm, you know, running out the door with my kids. It's just a good breakfast option that I don't have to think about. Uh, and you can now get them locally at, at retailers like Sam's Club, Walmart, check over there at the pharmacy section. You can also still go to builtbar.com. Great flavors, churro, uh, peanut butter, brownie, cookies and cream, whatever you'd like, and only 130 calories. So if you're like, man, I, I wanted to make healthy choices this year. I'm not doing that. Built Bar is a good place to start. Good snack and good for you. Builtbar.com or your local Sam's Club or Walmart, make sure you get a pack today. They're a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. Uh, so, Kevin, Shooter Sanders, I remember in high school – and this is kind of funny too. Like success just breeds, you know, jealousy to a certain extent. So I, I remember when Dion was coaching at the Taps level, and there were a lot of high school coaches that didn't really love how he was approaching things and how he was doing it. But he was winning state titles, um, and then he did the same thing at Jackson State. As you said, Sean Lewis, new offense coordinator. How well does uh, Shadur fit with what Sean Lewis wants to do from a quarterback perspective? And how big of an adjustment is this for, for him, you know, moving up and playing in the Pac-12 on a weekly basis now? Yeah, I think the adjustment is something he's oddly used to. Um, I didn't realize this until I was talking. I forgot who I was talking to, but he's played in a different offensive system each of his years of college. So this will be his third offensive system in three years. Um, so obviously he has a knack for picking things up, which shows his IQ. Um, Sean Lewis's offense is all about spraying the ball all over the field. And Shadur Sanders, while many people probably haven't seen him play, I think he has, at worst, one of the 10 strongest arms in college football. Um okay. One of his coaches compared him to uh, Carson Strong from Nevada a few years ago. Um, and if you weren't staying up late to watch the Nevada Wolfpack, I promise you he was slinging that thing 75 yards plus um, on a regular basis. And so to say he has a stronger arm than him, pretty high praise. Um, in terms of the adjustment, uh, I do think there's going to be some a slight adjustment in terms of speed of the pass rushers getting to him. Um, the offensive line is – honestly one of my bigger concerns even though they've brought in so many transfers at the offensive line um you just never know when you have you're gonna have five new guys um regardless of whether they're experienced or not it's five new guys playing together that gets me um but i think he'll adjust quicker than people are giving him credit um he's more of a thrower i think a lot of people want to compare compare him to um, cam ward at washington state who came over from incarnate word um, but Cam Ward reminds me of Johnny Menzel, where if things are going wrong in the pocket, he's going to run in circles 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then throw it across his body. Shadur Sanders is a much more methodical quarterback who can run, 
but he's not going to be running around in the backfield. I just think the only adjustment, and I saw it at the spring game a few times, he's going to try to trust his arm too much sometimes, yeah. not all the time. And he's yeah. going to try to make, maybe force a throw that he could have made at Jackson State, but defensive backs at the Power 5 level are obviously going to be all over that. So that will be his biggest issue. And you talked about specifically the offensive line coming together. How are they going to make this work? I, I mean, I know you you upgrade the talent level from a team that was – uh, one in 11 last season, but how do you get all these moving parts and pieces to sort of, you know, coalesce as a unit in just a couple of months of, of uh, time here before your season opener? Yeah, that's a great question. I honestly don't have an answer like for a concrete answer for that, because I don't think they know the answer to that. Um, sure. I think they're going to show up for fall camp or summer camp, whenever they show up, I don't know the date. Um, and they're going to show up and it's going to be intense because TCU, for example, you guys obviously lost, your three receivers, your two running backs, quarterback, whatever, Garrett Riley. But you still have foundational pieces there. Um, there's guys who maybe contributed a little bit that will just take bigger roles. Uh, maybe you recruited someone who's going to play right away, whatever it may be. Colorado's starting from completely scratch. And so they're still like sorting out position battles. Like everybody is probably starting from square zero except for Shadur, Travis Hunter, um, Jimmy Horn, the USF transfer, and – trying to think of anybody else who's like solidified their position already, maybe one of the safeties. And so right now we're at four people and everybody else is like all out position battle. Um, and they're continuing to bring in more transfers. And so I don't know, like, I think they're really going to have to, I told, I said yesterday on my show that they're probably going to have position battles until like two weeks before the first week, which is, I don't know if something you want. Um, they just have a lot to figure out. I think this will be the, the turning point of this whole experiment, because if it takes a long time to figure out who your guys are, then mm. other coaches are going to be like, I want to take in 50 transfers because that just makes things more complicated already. Who on defense? I mean, we've talked about some of the guys on offense. I know they got the, the edge rusher from Florida state coming in, whether it's a transfer, you know, somebody returning, who's kind of the foundational piece that this defense is going to be built around this season. Oddly enough, the safety groups are the safeties like, they have nothing but proven starters at safety, which is ironic. They think they have off the top of my head. I think they have four or five safeties that started last year <laughs> or started at one point in their college career. And obviously there's only two of them on the field at all times. Um, so that's, it makes me chuckle because it's like quarterback and safety are their two best positions and they have the fewest people on the field. Um, but defense, uh, they have Cameron Stillman, who's a Jackson state guy. Uh, he's a safety Um Trevor Woods, another safety. Uh, they did get Vito Tisdale from Kentucky, who um, had injury issues and off-the-field issues. He should be good. Um, I think, obviously, on on corner, at corner, excuse me, you have Travis Hunter. Um, mm -hmm. But the defensively, or like in the, the front, the trenches, if you will, uh, I'm looking at Shane Cokes, who is a Dartmouth trans transfer, um, an Ivy yeah. League guy. Got to give the Ivy yeah. League love yeah. some love. Um, he's going to be really good. And then Arkansas is Jordan Dominic. Um, I think he had nearly nine sacks last season um, at the spring game. They had like a fun little stat thing for the media members that he had alone almost more sacks the entire than the entire Colorado roster last year. Um, so he's like their solidified pass rusher is Jordan Dominic. Nice. Uh, we'll ask uh, Kevin a couple more questions here, and then we'll wrap up. We'll take another break. This is Locked On Horn Frogs. So, final couple things for you. Um, I, I'm looking now at the FanDuel over/under win totals for the season, and they have Colorado at three and a half. Um, to, to put you on the spot here, Kevin, what do you think? Over or under three and a half wins for the Buffaloes this year? 
I, I'd hit the over. You know, I think okay. I, I talked about this on today's episode or Thursday's episode for me. Um, I think the TCU game, while it's not like a lock, I'm sure they could get a little frisky week one. A lot of a lot of anticipation. Maybe that that's a maybe for me. Nebraska, I think they're on similar playing grounds. Uh, total rebuild. It's uh, that's a toss up for me. I think Nebraska is a seven and a half point favorite. So that's much more fair than the or reasonable than the 23. Um, they get Colorado State. They get Stanford, who is only returning six starters. And they get Arizona State, who's also rebuilding. And they get Arizona. So I think those are like the five ish teams that I think they should be or will have a better chance to be. So I take the over. Okay. So I, I said this earlier this week. I think TCU wins big in the opener, but give me the case if you're laying out like, okay, this happens mm-hmm. and Colorado has a good chance or, or pulls off the upset. What kind of falls into place in week one for, for coach prime squad? Yeah, I think, and I talked about this too, because oddly enough, I wrote the TCU preview for Athlon um, this upcoming season. So nice. I don't, I dove into your guys' roster. I was fully entrenched in the Horn Frogs. You guys lost a lot of talent. Um, I don't yeah, think yeah, you, yeah. you guys lost, like I said, three leading receivers, your two best running backs, your quarterback, your offensive coordinator. And then on defense, you guys lost two guys that accounted for 60% of your sacks. And so um, is this team much more experienced and cohesive? Probably. Um, and did you guys replace some guys with good players in the portal? Also, yes. So that helps. Um mm-hmm. Like John, John Paul Richardson, I just know he's going to be annoying all year um, for opposing <laughs> defenses. I just know it. He's he's yeah. that guy. He's always going to be open. I think for Colorado to win, though, their offense needs to it, – it's a combination of things. I'm assuming Chandler Morris is still going to be the starter. I hope he is because yeah. that, that's who I penciled in. Um, yeah, you're right, yeah. And then – because they got Chance Nolan the other day, and I was like, don't don't ruin my death chart. <laughs> but I, I think – it takes the offense not only going fast and hitting right away. Um, I think if Colorado strikes first, that helps. They fall behind. I don't like. I don't want to. I don't need. I don't think Colorado fans want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and defensively, I think they need Chandler Morris to. They need to get Chandler Morris under pressure and frazzle him because last season opener, Chandler Morris wasn't playing that well. For being honest, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He wasn't playing as good as he maybe will this year. But there's a reason that Max Duggan took the job from him and. I th- obviously besides injury, let's ignore that fact for the sake of my point, but um, there's a reason that Max Duggan kind of took the job and ran with it. And I think it's because Chandler Morris is unproven. And I think, sorry, I don't, did my, are we good? No, you're good. You're good. You're still okay. good. Yeah. Um, I think Chandler Morris is a little unproven and him being so green gives Colorado's defense a chance to rattle him. And if they rattle him, that plays well for them. If they don't, and he starts hitting, deep throws and he runs around and he's just running around all because he's faster than people realize too uh that could be a bad thing and i also worry about the buffs offense because as cool as, as it is to go fast if you're going fast on three and outs then you're just sending your defense up to fail yeah it should be a fun one i think there's a decent chance that like big noon kickoff or college game day is there for this yeah. one um i would so. say big noon because i think game day is going to Game day is for sure going to Tuscaloosa, or this is week one. Never mind. I was thinking week two. Game day for sure. Um, I think they'll get it because the only other game that I would say is competitive for this, Florida State LSU, but that's yeah. on a neutral site, mm-hmm. and I don't think they go to neutral sites that often. And then they typically don't now. And then Florida Utah, and I don't think Florida's kind of got the appeal this year. Yeah, somebody's gonna be there. Somebody's gonna be there covering the yeah for the sure. season opener, the the opener of the Power Five era with. With Coach Ryan. Well, Kevin, uh, give the people, if they want to follow you or find out more about the buffs, where can they find you? Where's the best place to get your work? Yeah, you can find me at Kevin underscore Borba. Um, that's where I'm tweeting my articles and 
uh, my podcast stuff. I cover Colorado for Athlon, and then I also do the Locked On stuff, um, Locked On Buffs podcast as well. So make sure to follow me. Um, we're definitely going to have to collab as the season gets closer mm-hmm. and preview the matchup even more because I need to hear why the I need to hear why the Horn Frogs are twenty three point favorites. <laughs> Oh man, you know, we're well, all these Colorado people have been telling me that they're coming. And I, I think this TCU team following that that embarrassing loss of the national title game is is motivated and ready to rock. But um yeah, we'll definitely have to do a crossover episode the week before. So everybody stay tuned for that. We still got a couple months, but we're we're getting closer, which is great. And and this has been another episode of Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your